I'd like to take a moment to let you all know about a new nonprofit organization started by my brother Craig. It's called Treats and Truth. They fill oversized brown lunch bags with snack items, chips, crackers, popcorn, cookies, etc. Also, a bottle of water, toothbrush, toothpaste, sanitary wipes, and most importantly, a small gospel tract book of John. No cigar? I'll have to talk to him about that. The bags are then hand-delivered to the homeless and people in need in and around the Los Angeles area. Let's help get this ministry off the ground. They're a 501c3 tax-exempt organization, so any and all donations are tax-deductible and greatly appreciated. Visit their website at treatsandtruth.org. Check out the show notes for the link. Also, please follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you. Welcome to episode 137 of the Burning Bush Podcast, where we share the message of the Bible while enjoying a good cigar. Hope you're doing well, and I'm glad you've joined me. Today, we're reading the New Testament book of Mark, chapter 10, with commentary from the notes in the Charles Spurgeon Study Bible, and I'm smoking the Blackbird Cigar Company Cactus Wren Short Run San Andres in the Toro 6x52 Vitola. And these are made exclusively for Cigars Daily in Phoenix, Arizona. So let's go to the Cigars Daily website and see what they have to say. Discover the Blackbird Cactus Wren, a limited edition masterpiece available exclusively at Cigars Daily. This unique cigar boasts a Mexican San Andres wrapper, Cuban seed Dominican binder, and a blend of Corojo, Criollo 98, and olor fillers. With rich flavors of earthiness, spice, and sweetness, this short-run blend delivers a refined and satisfying smoke. Elevate your smoking experience with the exclusive Blackbird Cactus Wren, a testament to craftsmanship and luxury. And the wrapper is Mexican San Andres, binder is Cuban seed and Dominican, and fillers are Criollo 98, Corojo, and Olor. Strength is medium to full. And the Vitolas are 5x50 Robusto and the 6x52 Toro. That is the Blackbird Cactus Wren San Andres from Cigars Daily. So let's go ahead and get into this week's reading of the book of Mark, chapter 10. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV, and verse 1. 
And he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. And crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up and in order to test him asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And Spurgeon comments on verse 15, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Instead of growing wiser in order to be fit for Christ, we must be more conscious of ignorance, more trustful toward him, more dependent on him, more childlike. And back to Mark verse 16. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, 
we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many are who are first will be last and the last first. And Spurgeon comments on verses 28 through 31, We have left everything and followed you. In the final account, it will be found that no person has been a loser through giving up anything for the Lord Jesus Christ, though he has his own method of deciding who will be first and who will be last. And back to Mark verse 32. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. And Spurgeon says about verses 32 through 34, Taking the twelve aside again, he began to tell them the things that would happen to him. From the number of these sentences, it is clear that our Savior entered into a detailed account of his sufferings, dwelling on each particular that he plainly foresaw. He does not describe them in general terms. He knew not only that he must die, but he knew all the circumstances of pain and shame with which that death should be attended. They would condemn him, hand him over to the Gentiles, mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. I think, too, that as our Lord thus dwells on each point, he means for us also to dwell on the details of his redeeming griefs. He would not himself thus have divided it out and laid it out piece by piece if he had not intended for us to do so with it. We should not be strangers at the foot of the cross, nor in Gethsemane, but should hear each one of these notes ring out its sorrowful yet joyful music. But what a glad note that concluding one is. He will rise after three days. And back to Mark verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Spurgeon comments on 35. Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask you. The genuine spirit of a Christian is not to ask that something should be done for him, but to ask his master what he could do for him. And back to Mark verse 36. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And Spurgeon says about 36, What do you want me to do for you? Our Savior's question suggests to us the prudent lesson to never promise in the dark. If anyone says, Promise that you will do whatever I ask, 
follow Christ's example and first ask, what do you want me to do for you? If we do not do this, we may entangle ourselves with our own words. Back to Mark, verse 37. And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. And Spurgeon comments on verse 37. Allow us to sit at your right hand and at your left in your glory. Much was wrong about this request, and most have often heard that view, so I will call our attention to what was right about it. These disciples showed their faith that this same Jesus who was to be mocked, flogged, spit on, and killed would yet reign. And I think it was wonderful faith that after they had heard from his own lips in sorrowful detail the description of how he would die, yet nevertheless they so fully believed in his kingdom that they asked to have a share in its honors. They were ambitious, but their ambition was to be near the Savior. And back to Mark verse 38, Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Spurgeon says about verse 41, When the ten disciples heard this, they began to be indignant with James and John. How sad the contrast is. The master's thoughts all taken up with his death for others, and their thoughts occupied with little petty jealousies as to who should be the greatest. Why were they indignant? because they were of the same spirit as James and John. They wanted those places themselves. And back to Mark, verse 42. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Spurgeon comments on verse 47, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The blind man had advanced much further than the mass of the people. To him it was not merely Jesus of Nazareth, but Jesus, son of David. And back to Mark, verse 48. 
And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Spurgeon comments on verse 51, Jesus answered him, What do you want me to do for you? Notice here a sort of gentle rebuke the Savior gives to James and John. Read again the words of verse 36, and then those of this verse. And back to Mark, verse 52. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. And that's the end of today's reading in the book of Mark. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the Charles Spurgeon Study Bible, as well as today's cigar. Also, Groundworks Ministries for daily Bible studies and devotionals. Treats and Truth Ministry, where you can get involved in helping to spread the gospel to and be a blessing to the homeless. And the Burning Bush Merchandise Store, where you can pick up some items to help spread the word about the show. And if you know anyone who needs to hear this, please let them know about the podcast and help share the message of the Bible, the hope we have in Yeshua Messiah, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to contact me, you can email me at steve at theburningbushpodcast.com, which is linked in the show notes as well. So until next time, have a great day, have a great cigar, and God bless.